Well, welcome. I'm glad you're here this morning. Thank you for uh, being with us today. I'm so excited to be kicking off a brand new series today called The Holy Who. And we're going to spend the next six weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're also going to launch life groups today to go right alongside that series. So what you hear today in today's message, you will actually talk about this week when you sign up for a life group. And I expect all of you to sign up for a life group because it's important because we've been quarantined for too long. And, and I had a guy in the first service tell me, he says, man, Pastor, I don't know if I can stay the whole service. I'm like, well, why not? He's like, I'm used to having church in my recliner with a cookies and milk and it's like I just I'm not used to being dressed up in a building I said well, I feel you bro me too but you're here so uh, so we need to break out of the quarantine mode get into a life group reconnect with some other believers and continue to grow right so we were quarantined and we had to stay home and we had to do all these other things but now it's time to get back together in smaller groups to tackle the topic of the Holy Spirit which by the way is one of the most vital topics we can learn as Christians and I'm going to show you today how we have to go from being saved to being led by the Holy Spirit. I want to show you that today in today's message. So the title of today's message is, Who is the Holy Spirit? So our, our goal has been to take this, the topic of the Holy Spirit and break it into six bite-sized chunks for the next six weeks to help you discover and understand who the Holy Spirit is. I, my goal and my prayer for you today was that you would walk out of here not only understanding better who the Holy Spirit is, but that you would have a thirst and a hunger for more. So I prayed very specifically on the way to church this morning for a thirst and a hunger for more. Because you know what it's like to be hungry, right? Yeah, you'll eat anything if you're hungry, right? You just got to get something. There's, a, there's an anticipation and an excitement in you at, if you're hungry. And so that's my prayer for you today. So we hope to help you discover in this series how you can live a spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-equipped, and spirit-empowered life. I'm going to say that one more time. Spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-equipped, and spirit-powered life. Imagine for a minute if you could, if we could walk with the Holy Spirit like the disciples walked with Jesus. Remember the disciples, when they were with Jesus for three and a half years, they were with him like physically, uh, proximity, they were tight, they did everything together, they, they cooked, they cleaned, they ate, they, they walked, they ministered, they did all kinds of incredible things, they saw all kinds of miracles, but they did it together with Jesus and he was there physically and they walked with him physically and he led them physically right? So imagine if we could do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. I mean, how much, let's just get real this morning, how much easier would it be if the Holy Spirit was like physical? I mean, you'd be like, you know, you wake up and he's, he's there in your room, and it wouldn't be weird. And you'd be like, okay, where are we going today? And he'd be like, well, well I got this plan today, so on your way to work, you're going to do this. And then when we get to work, you're going to say this. And when, you, when you're in the middle of your day, you're going to do this. And then you're going to pray this. And you're going to speak this over so-and-so. And you're going to go this way. And you're going to smile when your boss insults you. And you're not going to say what you want to say to him. And wouldn't that be good if he would be there with you when your boss insults you? And then you go, mm, and he goes, mm, mm. Wouldn't it be nice? Well, the only difference maker is, is your ability to actually physically see him. But everything else about that is true, that he is with you all day long. He walks with you. He is in your room when you wake up in the morning. Ta-da! And so, so some of you are like, I ain't going to sleep tonight. So, 
So he's with you all day long, and you can encounter him that way. If you're aware, and if you're intentional to be led by him, if you're intentional and your heart's desire is to live a spirit-filled life, a spirit-led life. You see, here's the beautiful thing about God is that anything that we desire that he has, he willingly gives it to us. So if you as an individual earnestly desire to live a spirit-led life, God will give you that. He will bless you with that. Right? Okay, come on. First service, the kids were, were, were kind of helping me preach. So kids, you have permission to say amen. But we can. We can walk with the Holy Spirit that way. Look at how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. This will be the key verse for the series. He says this. He says, but in fact, he's talking to his disciples. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Look at what Jesus said. It is best Like Jesus is telling his disciples, it is the best thing for you that I go away so that the advocate can come and he can be with you everywhere and always. Jesus said that. This is Jesus' guys. This is his disciples. These are the ones he called into full-time, a life of ministry. And they walked with him for three and a half years, and he's getting ready to go. And he's telling them, listen, the best thing I can do is to go. That's the best thing for you. Don't you just love it that God always gives us his best? He never gives us leftovers or secondhand things. God always gives us his best. And Jesus said, it's best that I go. And then he says, I'm sending the advocate, which, which means this. He, he gives the Holy Spirit a name, uh, advocate. And, and in the Greek, that name is, is actually paraclete, which means this, that, that the Holy Spirit, the word advocate means that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, an encourager, and a counselor. Now, you may have heard that before, but let me just kind of make it real personal for you. What if, what if you walked out of here today and you had an understanding? What if you just left with this one thing? That I, so-and-so, have a personal counselor now. I have a personal comforter now. I have a personal encourager now. Like some people have an entourage, you know, like, like people that come alongside of them and they, they follow them wherever they go and they kind of just, you know, fluff their pillows a little bit and just fluff their life up and, oh, you, you did so good and you did, hey, that's great, but they got to get paid to do that. God says, I'm going to give you a personal counselor, comforter, and encourager, and you're not excited about that. Like it's yours. It's like God said, Toby, I'm giving you your own counselor, comforter, and encourager. That's who the Holy Spirit is. How many of you could use a personal comforter? Come on. How many of you could use a personal encourager? Like, I got my own counselor. Like, I don't have to pay the $35 copay to go get counsel. Jesus already paid for it. And I just get, he goes with me everywhere I go. Isn't that good? Like, it's mine. 
I don't have to share him with nobody else. <laughs> Do you feel upgraded all of a sudden? You should feel upgraded. He's mine. I had this thought last night as I was praying over this message that, that the peop, people get so, people are so wrapped up in social media today, right? In media in general, but especially in social media. You ever wonder why people just put everything on social media? And you're like, oh, I wouldn't have put that. Oh, like, girl, keep it private. Like, this is what I was praying over last night, and I just felt like God was telling me, he says, people don't know where to find encouragement, counsel, and comfort. So they send it out into the, into the world through social media in hopes to read a comment that gives them encouragement, some kind of counseling, and some kind of comfort. It never works. People can't like your post enough. People can't comment enough to fill the void that only God by the Holy Spirit can fill. And I'm going, what an awful exchange. Like we give up the presence of the Holy Spirit to depend on the world to now meet something that they cannot meet. It's like we give away the best for something less. And Hope said, people, come on, people. <laughs> Would fill all of our needs. But Jesus was saying something to the disciples. He was trying to get them to understand something. And it's, it's deep and it's, it's powerful. And the disciples had been walking with him physically, but he was getting them to transfer from physical leadership into spiritual leadership. He was trying to help them take that step. And some of you have been under physical leadership your whole life. Your parents raised you and they told you what to do, what not to do, and they led you physically. And now your boss tells you what to do and not to do. You come to church and this bald-headed guy tells you what to do and not to do. And you're physically led. But listen to me, we have to, we have to convert over from physical leadership into spiritual leadership. So, so if you think about parenting for a second, because we have a lot of kids in this church and we love every one of them, is, it, is that as parents, we, we take our children from when they're born and we, we physically lead them, right? Don't touch that. It's hot. <laughs> Don't say that. You're going to get your mouth slapped. No. <laughs> Don't go there. Do this. Don't do that. Well, we're physically leading them. But watch this. If you miss this one component in parenting, I think you might end up not getting the results you want to get if you never teach them how to be spiritually led. For Cheryl and I, we have three of them, 2018, 17? 17. And the, well, the two olders in the next couple of months will be, yeah, they're going to bump up. So that's when I can remember easier. But so, so they're all getting ready to one day soon leave the house. And, and, and they're getting more privilege and more responsibility and more leeway, like we've loosened the leash. Bad analogy, but that's what we did. <laughs> we just we loosened up the leash a little bit. Go ahead, run. And they run for a while, and if we don't like where they're going, we go, boom, and we pull the leash. Because <laughs> you still live in my house, and boom, I can pull the leash. But now more than ever for Cheryl and I, it's vital, listen to me, vital that our kids learn how to be spirit-led as they go out into this world. Because watch this, if you never take your children and bring them from physical leadership into spiritual leadership, when they leave your house, all they're going to do is replace you with somebody else that's going to lead them. 
and you don't know who that is. Right? It's my responsibility. So my wife and I were talking this week, and we're like, man, we got to do something. We got to step our game up some. So we're going we're gonna to have a night, one night during the week, where we're going to sit down and we're going to teach the kids how to read their Bibles, how to study their Bibles. Not that we haven't done it before. We're going to be real intentional about it now, and we're going to teach them about how to be led daily through the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So this is not something that Pastor Jamie wants for you as much as Jesus wants it for you. He said, it's best that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. Because you see, Jesus knew as long as he was on earth, he could only be in one place at one time with one group of people. But if he left, the Holy Spirit could come and be with all people in all places. Isn't that good? The Apostle Paul even wants this for you. He says in Ephesians 1, he says, I pray that you begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Paul wants us to understand how powerful this Holy Spirit is in our lives. Here's what's funny when it comes to the Holy Spirit and believers. I've been on several sides of it. I've, I've had some misunderstandings. I've been confused. I've, I've walked in fear. I think I've been on almost every side of the topic of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit himself. And, and, and what I find is there's a great misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. Some of, some of you were raised in a charismatic environment where, man, if somebody didn't scream, shout, or run around the church, then the Holy Spirit wasn't there. And that's how you were taught and you were trained and you were like, man, this is the only way the Holy Spirit shows up. So you never learned that he's actually there when you're quiet and he can be cool and he can be calm and collected. If you're raised like I was, you were taught that man, you only received the Holy Spirit when you were saved and then there was never anything more than that. And I, and I, I just needed out of my state of confusion. And, but there's nothing more misunderstood than the topic of the Holy Spirit. But watch this. But it's the most valuable relationship we have as believers. It's the most valuable relationship we have. And as Christians, we have to go from the day we were born again, where we had an encounter with Jesus and his spirit came to live inside of us, we must go from that to being led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Why? Because he's a game changer. I'm, we're going to show you in this series how, how the two great preachers in the, in the New Testament, one was filled with the Holy Spirit, the other one wasn't. One had fruit in his ministry and the other one didn't. And we're going to show you the difference between one who was filled with the Holy Spirit and the other who wasn't. And how the Holy Spirit makes the difference up in your life. And listen to me, there's nothing more than Satan wants than to keep you confused or in fear of the things of the Holy Spirit. So today I want to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? So what comes to mind when you think of the Holy Spirit? Is he like the force on Star Wars? You know, may the force be with you. And somebody would say, and also with you. 
Is he like the force in Star Wars? Is he like the fog on the show Lost? Is he like Casper the ghost? What do you think of when you think of the Holy Spirit? Do you think of your past experiences? Do you think of what you currently understand? Do you think of the, the, what you don't understand and there's fear that comes up inside of you? What do you think when you think about the Holy Spirit? I want to show you a verse in John chapter 16 where Jesus begins to describe the Holy Spirit to the disciples. Remember, he's taken them from physical leadership into spiritual leadership, and he's, he's, he's describing and helping them to understand who the Holy Spirit is. John 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, listen how Jesus uses these words, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. How many times does Jesus use the word he in this verse? What is he telling us by, by describing the Holy Spirit as a he? Is he saying that he's male? <laughs> no, he's not saying that he's male. He's saying, though, that, that the Holy Spirit is a person. How's he saying that? Because he's telling you that the Holy Spirit can hear. He's telling you that the Holy Spirit can speak. There's other verses in the Bible that talk about how the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He has emotions. So he's not physically a person, but he's like a person who can hear and speak and feel and respond and lead. Are you getting this this morning? So he's not like a ghost that just goes through walls and Amen? He's a person. He can be grieved. The second characteristic we see is that the Holy Spirit is the executor of the Trinity. He's the one who works out the things in the Trinity. Well, what is the Trinity, if some of you are wondering? The Trinity is the, the, the Father God, the Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. That's the, that makes up the Trinity. It's the three in one. It's, it's God Father, Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit. You see that? So, so if, you, if you're like me and you kind of like to figure out how things work, you may be thinking, how does that work? Like, how does the Trinity work? Like, how do, how do they interact with each other? How does this thing play out? Who's responsible for what? And who does what? If you, if you can see it this way, God the Father is like the visionary. He's the one who, who knows what, what the end is from the beginning. He's a visionary. He knows how we're going to get from here to there. He knows the overall casting vision of what he wants to do with mankind. Jesus is the one that he tells to make stuff happen. You getting this? And then Jesus tells the Holy Spirit, that's what John just told us, is that the Holy Spirit only tells you what he hears from me. Now think about the disciples for a minute. They were used to hearing Jesus' voice and his leadership. They were led by his voice, but now he's going to leave. And they're kind of freaking out, going, well, who's going to lead us? Listen, don't worry. He's the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you what I tell him. So, like, it's not going to change a whole lot outside of you just can't see me. This is making sense. So the Holy Spirit is the one who makes things happen. Let me show it to you this way. Um, 
Maybe this will help you practically. So as a parent, there were certain rules in our house. Uh, for Ethan, there was a rule that the girls didn't have, that if you hit your sisters, it's, going, it's not going to go well for you. Like, we don't hit girls. And I was teaching him very young that we don't hit girls. You don't hit girls. And I said, now, girls, don't hit your brother. Because <laughs> girls don't hit boys too, right? And all the women were silent. First miracle. So, so you don't hit girls. You don't hit girls. Well, he hit one of his sisters one time. And, and old dad here was about to lose it. Okay, I was, I was sending him back. What is receipt? I'm like, Lord, you're giving me another one. This boy hits girls. They don't fly in my house. And I was ready to tear him up. Get to the bathroom. And he knew. He knew the end was coming. And he gets to the bathroom, and I'm, I'm boiling. You ever feel your blood pressure kind of get, it gets right here, and you start to choke a little bit, then it gets up here, and then you, you can and pray for me. I'm on the way to the bathroom. This is how the Holy Spirit executes God's will. I'm on the way to the bathroom. I had already taught him previously that if you hit a girl, it's not going to go well for you. I'm on the way to the bathroom. I'm going to execute my plan. And I'm going, and I got the paddle, and I'm white-knuckled, gripping the paddle, and I'm heading to the bathroom, and I already got visions of ripping skin off of that excess that he's got in the back. And I'm heading to the bathroom, and watch this, and the Holy Spirit said, stop. He said, give him grace. I was like, you tripping. Give him grace. I'm like, what? He said, give him grace. I can do more with grace than you can do with anger. And boy, that was tough. And so the steps to the bathroom where he was already in there trembling, God led me by his Holy Spirit. I walked in the bathroom and I took the paddle and I set it aside. And he's like freaking out because he knew he was going to die. He's like. And I said, son, you know good and well, I taught you not to hit girls, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. You know this is not going to go well for you, right? <laughs> yeah. I said, I said, God just told me to give you grace. I said, so I'm going to give you grace. In that moment, he cracked and he just lost it. And God did more in that moment with grace than I would have done with a strong hand. And I walked out of there with the greatest lesson that day. That if I'll be careful to let the Holy Spirit lead me, I will see God's will accomplished in my life. Because it was God's will that I not send Ethan back. <laughs> it was God's will that I did not hurt him or scar him or mark him for the rest of his life. You see it? You see how it works? It was God's will. Jesus knows it. He tells the Holy Spirit, just like John told us, the Holy Spirit tells us what Jesus says, and if we'll listen, then God's will will be accomplished in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Make sense? So tell me it's not important to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's vital to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
That's who the Holy Spirit is in the context of the Trinity. He's the one who walks out God's will with us. <clears throat> so let's look at the activity of the Holy Spirit. Number one, this is how the Holy Spirit's been active. Number one, he helped with creation. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the Holy Spirit was actually in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. He was all the way in the beginning. So God's busy creating the earth, the atmosphere, the waters, the land, all these things. God's creating the earth. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is hovering over it, just looking over it. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So God, so the Holy Spirit was there at creation. He was there in the very beginning. And I can scripturally prove to you that Jesus was there also. But the Holy Spirit was there. And I think that's fascinating to me because God was busy. And we always think of creation. We think God doing his work, right? He's creating like God's creating. But the Holy Spirit was there. I'm like, what was he doing? Like, like was he inspecting? <laughs> you know, like, like the Holy Spirit was the inspector. Like, I think you ought to push the bank back a little bit over there on the Mississippi. Make Louisiana look more like a boot. No. I mean, it's like, what was, what was he doing? He was, the Bible tells us, he was hovering over the surface of the waters, but he was there in the beginning. He helped with creation. The second activity of the Holy Spirit is he helped start Jesus' ministry. So from creation, you see the Holy Spirit pop up at various times in the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, you'll, you'll start to read where the Spirit of God came over him or the Spirit was on him or her at different times, you'll begin to see, which I think is fascinating, because the Holy Spirit was then subject to God, the Father, and when God would say, go get on this person, he would go. But then when God would take him off, then he would come off. Which is cool, because that means the Holy Spirit, who is God, would still listen to God the Father. Say, that's cool. So then the Holy Spirit shows up in Matthew chapter 3, like never before. Listen to what it, what it says. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Jesus' ministry would have never started without the power of the Holy Spirit. Talk about a good day to be at church for baptism, right? Like, you need to come for baptism Sunday. Stuff happens. You need to come every Sunday, but really for baptism. I mean, think about the people that were standing on, sitting on the riverbank when it was baptism day, and Jesus gets dunked and comes out, and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove on him, and then they get to hear God's voice. This is my son who brings me great pleasure. Wow. Jesus is then baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in water comes out. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Which I think is very fascinating because Jesus himself needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He needed the Holy Spirit to come on him and give him power because of what happened next. Now what happened next right after that? Jesus comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes, God speaks, people freak out, Jesus dries off, 
then the Bible says this, that then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, tested, and tried. Now pay attention here for a minute. Who led him there? The Holy Spirit did. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into 40 days of testing, tempting, and trying? Why would he do that? Well, one reason I've always believed is because, because now we have a Savior who, who was, I believe Jesus was tempted, the Bible even says that he was tempted in every way known to man in that 40 days, okay? So, so that tells me this, that Jesus understands our testings, our temptings, and our tryings, like when we go through trials. Jesus understands that because he went through it himself. But Jesus also in that moment when the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness learned and discovered and experienced how the Holy Spirit when he comes on you walks you through the, t- the trials, the tests, and the temptation. So get this. Let him to be tempted, tested, and tried after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, not before. Why? Because Jesus would know exactly what it's like to have the Holy Spirit empower his life when every temptation known to man would come at him. That's way cooler than you responding. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's fascinating. He helped Jesus start his ministry. The third thing we see is he helped birth the early church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus speaking to the disciples, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said, You will receive what? All right, let's try this one more time. You will receive what? Power when? The Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you're going to be my witnesses. What happens when a Christian gets the Holy Spirit on him? He gets power. Power to what? Power to be a witness. Power to resist temptation. Power to walk through sticky, crazy situations. Power to live a good life. Power to bite your tongue. Power to love your wife. Power to raise your kids right. Amen? Power. It's not just power to be in a church service and do all kind of weird things. That's not what it was there for. It was there for you personally. The Holy Spirit is for you personally to give you power to absolutely be a witness. And that's what happened. The disciples were praying. The Holy Spirit came on them. The Bible says they prayed in other tongues. And as a, as a young believer, I had issues with that because I didn't want to pray in no tongues. I don't even know what that is. That's creepy. Like, what is that? That's creepy. I ain't praying. Because they prayed in tongues and people heard their own language being spoken. And all these people came to where they, I'm not praying. I don't want people coming to my house. I'm not praying in tongues. People going to come to my house. No. Not happening. I was confused. I didn't understand. Watch what happened to the early church. Holy Spirit comes on them. Power. God draws people to them. Look look at the order. Prayed. Holy Spirit came upon them. And Holy Spirit drew people to them. You want to be attractive? 
Stop worrying about your makeup. Stop worrying about where you're at with the Holy Spirit. Watch what happens. Peter stands up, the guy who was just restored from backsliding. Peter stands up, preaches a message he didn't even prepare. Didn't know he was going to be the first preacher up. I mean, like the Holy Spirit comes down and goes, oh, Peter, you're up. Peter stands there and preaches. 3,000 people get saved and the church is birthed. And we think that's great. I mean, it is great. It's something to celebrate. But I'll be honest with you, if 3,000 people showed up to church next Sunday, I wouldn't be rejoicing like you are. Me, Lisa, and Cheryl be freaking out on Monday going, uh, what are we going to do, Rufus? I don't know. But that wasn't the problem. The problem is, is that, is that the church's birth, 3,000 people come to Christ, and then watch this, as you read on in Acts, here comes the persecution. Here comes the testing. Here comes the trials. Does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound like something that Jesus went through? Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit, walks into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted, tested, and tried. The disciples receive the Holy Spirit, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The early church's birth. Boom, here comes persecution, thrown in jail, murdered, beaten. All these things happen to them. Can I let you in on a secret? When you gave your life to Jesus, it wasn't a guarantee that your life was going to get better. And when he fills you with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that all the demons are going to go away. Isn't that exciting? But watch this. Just like Jesus discovered how the Holy Spirit empowers a human body, so does the disciples discover how the Holy Spirit empowers them to walk through any situation. Any situation. That's why, because it's weird to read it, but that's why when the disciples said, we found it a privilege to suffer for Christ. You go, what? Bro, you crazy. Are you suffering? Ain't no privilege to suffer. They counted it a privilege to suffer for Christ. Why? Because when you suffer for Christ, you suffer for what you stand for, for what you believe in, for God's moral character, for God's scripture. When you stand for that and you, and you suffer for that, you know what the Bible says? That if you'll suffer with me, you'll also share in my glory. Which means this, that I get to walk with him through this whole thing and I get to have an experience with him that I wouldn't have had if, I'd have, if he'd have bailed me out. Right? You ever wonder why sometimes God don't bail you out? It's because he wants to go with you to walk it out. Sometimes a bailout is damage to you. Don't get mad at him. He's just trying to walk with you. So the Holy Spirit helped birth the first church. You ready for the fourth one? The Holy Spirit helped initiate your relationship with God. Let me give you some truth real quick. There's times that you're being led by the Holy Spirit and you don't even know it. You don't even recognize it. 
you read the Old Testament, you see where God says, go get on him. And God got on, I mean, the Holy Spirit got on somebody and they did things they didn't even know what they were doing. Let me explain that. How many of you think you came to God on your own terms? Like you woke up one day, you know, I've just been a little crazy lately. I think I need to upgrade. I think I'm on, you know, like you're buying P90X or whatever that is. Like, you know, it's time to get in shape. It's time to get my life right. So I'm just going to go to God. I'm going to give this God thing a try. You didn't do that. What happened? Likely, you were going through some crazy stuff. There was a void in your life that you couldn't get away from, that you bought everything you could, financed everything you could to fill, but it never filled the void in your life. And you, 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 you found yourself in this place where you were empty, void of life, and you realized, out of desperation, I need something more. And then you end up somewhere where somebody's telling you about Jesus, and then you have an encounter with Jesus. But listen to me, you didn't get there on your own. The Holy Spirit led you there. He led you there. That's how much God loves you, that he'll send the Holy Spirit to lead you to him. At 12 years old, I was at the ABC camp. You know what my goal was? Chase girls. I just wanted to get a girlfriend before the week was up. I wasn't trying to do nothing. I just wanted her to tell you, I'm, she's my girlfriend. It's like a competition between me and all my buddies. Like, who can get the first girlfriend? 12 years old. I'm chasing girls. One night, God draws me to himself by the Holy Spirit. I have an encounter with Jesus. And my life was never the same. You see, what's beautiful about what God does for us is not only does he give us his best, he gives us himself. His spirit draws us to him, leads us to him. And watch this. It's not just for the day of salvation. It's for those days when you drift away from him. You quit going to church. You quit hanging out with the right people. You start slipping off into the world again. You start doing things you didn't used to do. You start doing things that you know deep down inside is wrong. And you'd be embarrassed if your kids knew about it. You're doing things that you know is not right. And you slip away from God. Listen, we're all guilty of slipping away from God at times. Amen? You need to say amen. We all slip away at times. Who leads you back? You don't just wake up and go, I need to go back. No, who leads you back? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because he lives inside of you. And if he's on you, then he's leading you back to God. He is always pulling us to a deeper relationship with God. Titus 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Love this last sentence. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Sparingly or generously? Generously poured out his Holy Spirit on us through Jesus Christ. Salvation is willed by God, by the Father, accomplished by the Son, 
and applied by the Holy Spirit. It's a team effort. Can you see that today? I was 20 years old, or in my 20s. I was born again at 12. In my 20s, I'd already slipped away, was doing things I should never do. And in my 20s, he leads me back to himself again. And this time I come back different. I come back with a hunger and a thirst for God. I was studying the scriptures. I was literally consuming the scriptures every day, digging in. This was long before I knew I was going to be a preacher, long before I wasn't doing it to become a preacher. I wasn't doing it for, to, to raise my education level. I was just hungry for God, and I went after it. I had a buddy who was my best friend who was doing the same thing. I had a guy who was mentoring or discipling us. Man, we went at it. We were studying scripture. We were praying. We were obeying what, what we learned. We were doing all this, and man, it was incredible. I'll never, never be ungrateful for that season of my life. I memorized scripture forward and backwards. I could beat you to death with scripture. But I was still missing something. I still had some confusion inside of me. I knew you received the Holy Spirit when you were saved, but I couldn't figure out Acts 1. I was like... Because see, before Jesus ascended, he, he, he spoke over the disciples, and the Bible says he breathed the Holy Spirit into them. And I was like, okay, so when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. That's awesome. And I, but I was confused, and I didn't know. But watch what I'm telling you today. That misunderstanding, that confusion, left me in a place called fear. And I became afraid of the Holy Spirit. I, came, I became afraid of more. This is right about the time I, Michelle and I started going to our Savior's church. And, and the first, I'll never forget the first time I was there, there was this, this charismatic guy, and he's praying for people, and they're falling out. And I'm like, ah, what's that? And something led me up there to get prayed for. I'm like, this guy, this dude pushed me over. I'm going to punch him. And then other times until eventually I got to a place where I desperately knew something was missing. I desperately knew I needed something more. And I cried out to God for understanding. And I cried out for more of the Holy Spirit and he gave it to me. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I can, the, bad, the day I was baptized in the Holy Spirit is a, is a benchmark in my life. It's a time when I went from knowing God here to knowing God here and learning about him all throughout my day, all throughout the week, the month, the year, through my life, through my everyday activities, learning who God is in the most real tangible way and having a power in me. So the day, the day before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit is different than the day after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Something changed Something shifted. There was power in my life. And that power has been there ever since. That's where I was. The question is, is where are you at today? Where are you at when it comes to the Holy Spirit? Where are you at when it comes to your relationship with Jesus? Are you born again? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you made that decision? That's the first step. It's to give your life to Jesus, to receive salvation, 
And then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and he draws you to even more of himself. Where are you at today? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you. We thank you for your spirit, God. We thank you that he's a, he's a person and he can hear and he can see and he can speak and he can feel. God, I thank you for that moment where Jesus told the disciples that I gotta go so that he can come. God, help us today to understand. Help us today to see clearly. Open our eyes, God. Open our minds and our hearts today. Move in us right now, God. Move in us. Holy Spirit, begin to draw us right now. Closer to God. personal give us an anticipation God I pray we get hungry thirsty for more because God I know you'll satisfy that anytime someone wants more from you. God, you satisfy that. God, move in our hearts today. That we would know the Holy Spirit in the most real way possible. That we begin to live a life that is led, filled, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Nobody looking around. If you really feel like you need to start at the beginning today, maybe you need to come back to this moment. Maybe you find yourself having slipped away, compromised, got way more of the world in you than you do of God know something's not right or if you just find yourself empty this morning you've never really given your life to Jesus I want to encourage you to do that today nobody looking around that's you you want to give your life to Jesus just simply raise your hand this morning just real quick I see you 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 it's good you can put them down Anybody else? Wow. Let's pray this together this morning. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today having sinned. I'm full of sin. I've fallen away. 
I've slipped away. I've fallen short. Jesus, I need you. I just want to confess that to you. I just want to confess my sin. I want to ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Jesus, I invite you in to my heart, to my life, and I submit to you today. I give you control. Would you be the Lord of my life? Would you lead me by your spirit? Jesus, would you save me? Would you give me eternal life? Would you give me life while I'm here on this planet? I believe in my heart that God, you raised Jesus from the dead and that everything he did on the cross is more than enough to make you and I right. I receive that today. In Jesus' name.